chapter 17. As you're doing that, I'll just confess that as uh, whatever her name was, Bomegard, yeah, uh, as she's talking, I, you know, just a little rich memory just popped into my head. It was a real traumatic moment for me. You know, back in the day uh, when the hairstyles were the beehive kind of, uh, you know, uh, deal, and I'm at my aunt and uncle's house, and I pass by my aunt and uncle's bedroom, and the door was open, and and while other people have other traumas with bedroom doors that open, mine came from seeing my aunt's hair wrapped in toilet paper. Because that's how they used to apparently preserve their hairdo in the middle of the night. It marked me bad, I'm just saying. <laughs> and so fast forward to my wedding day. We're in, in Washington and uh, we're it's a couple hours before the wedding, whatever it was, and Clarissa had went and got her hair done, and they actually did this to her hair so that when she put the veil on, it would, you know, kind of push down. But what I saw <laughs> was this. Yeah, it was traumatic, I'm telling you, but it worked out okay. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at, Je or he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, and go on your way, your faith has made you well. So my question to you, in this last week, how many lepers did you meet? You're going, well, probably none, even though none of you even uttered a word there. Because it's just not something that we really encounter anymore, it's Hansen's disease. But I want you to get a little bit of a different perspective when you think about this story, rather than divorcing ourselves from it and thinking that it doesn't have any application to us today. Think of it this way, maybe one day you woke up and you find that there's a spot on your hand. And you look at that spot on your hand, and well, that's different. And then within a week, that spot, it grows just a little bit. And you touch it, and you find that it doesn't have any feeling there. And then you find that you have another spot on your other hand. And then you notice that on your feet, you start getting spots. And the feeling in those areas, they leave as well. Then you find that your hands are getting weak. And your feet tired all the time, and you're wondering, how did I even get this? 
So you start in your own mind going through a mental list. I don't remember seeing someone that had a bunch of spots all over them. You start thinking about the different people that you are around in the Walmart or the Target or the restaurant that were all of a sudden coughing or sneezing. Or someone just walked up to you and they started talking and they, they tend to have that spray zone when they talk. You know who I'm talking about, those kinds of people. But then all of a sudden there's a moment where someone walks up to you and they said, do you realize that your hand is bleeding? And you didn't even feel it when the knife cut in between your fingers. Because what was happening without you even recognizing it is that your, your pain warning system was deteriorating. And so you have to go into, and we are well aware of this word, quarantine. You have to isolate yourself. But unlike other things, there is no known cure for this. So you're going to now separate yourself from everyone else from now going forward. You can work, but you got to work by yourself. You wonder, why should I even live anymore? Everybody already thinks I'm the walking dead. You're disconnected. You're disenfranchised. You're looked down on. You're cast aside. You're expected to lift your voice so people will know to stay away from you. You know, all the feelings that go along with being excluded from everything that you held dear. And while they had leprosy, they were also, in their society, the marginalized. They were ten, ten unnamed men with one thing in common. They could hang out with each other because they looked like each other. They felt like each other. They were diseased like each other. But they were separated from everybody else. Maybe they had a slogan so people would know they existed. Maybe they walked around with signs that say, Lepers' lives matter. And then the Christians came along and said, No, all lives matter. They knew the feeling of being cast aside. They know the feelings of exclusion and people's eyes quickly looking for someone who wasn't there. But Jesus came walking along. Jesus comes walking along and the scripture says that he heard their voice. And then he saw them. Get that. Jesus heard their voice and then saw them. 
There is no shortage of the marginalized in our world screaming today, trying to make themselves known in their real or perceived feelings of exclusion, of disappointment, of loneliness. And what they need is Jesus to hear the voice. They need Jesus to hear the voice of their feelings of being disenfranchised. They need to know that while they're on the fringes, they're still seen by someone. Because Jesus cared about these ten unnamed men. And this really is the connect that I really want us to get this morning. And it's simply that Jesus is concerned about the quality and quantity of life. Jesus didn't, didn't make these men do anything. He didn't, he didn't make them get into line. Now, they had an act of obedience, but, but that's much different than the way Christians approach people today. Imagine if Jesus said to those ten lepers from a distance, just give your hearts to me, you'll be okay. If you believe that Jesus is only concerned with the quantity of life, you really miss the gospel. Jesus is concerned about the quality and quantity of life. I like the fact that Charles, when he did Larry's graveside on Friday, he, he quoted John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should but, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life, not never-ending never ending living. If you tend to think that marginalized people, or if you are marginalized and people have told you, well, all you have to do is to believe in Jesus, and then you find that your life never changes. There's this belief that it's just a matter of life evermore. Well, life evermore, done the way life's always been, is not very good. And nobody wants to do that. So what has Jesus said? He said, go show yourselves to the priests. What did they want? Have mercy on us. Go show yourselves to the priests. And they turned at that word, and they were obedient. And one of them was healed. No. Ten of them were healed. We live in a world where we like to go, well, there are these five, and there are these five. And if you're part of us on these five, you're okay. But if you're part of these five, you're not okay. And what we do is we actually, without even recognizing it, we marginalized people in Jesus' name. When absolutely Jesus was concerned with their quality and quantity of life. Now, only one of them came back for the quantity. Only one of them came back and recognized that the best quality and the best quantity are found when I put my face down at Jesus' feet. Only one of the ten did that. But the other nine were still healed. Let's not get too far from that. And so there's no lack in our lives of voices that are calling out. 
we have to look. We have to turn. And when we turn, there is a moment for the quality of someone's life to change. So if you believe that you have to leave with, leave with your, your redemptive relationships, that you better get saved, you're going to miss it. There's something powerful in helping people to understand the mercy of God in the quality of life. Now, you might be saying, well, wait a minute. What about those who are persecuted around the world? I think you're going to find when we get to eternity, they're going to say, my quality of life was much better than yours that was rich. We don't, this doesn't preach in the gospel real well, but the Bible gives a warning to the rich. Because we think the quality is found in what we have. But for those guys, the quality was much different. That, that disease deteriorates the hands and then the feet. Now catch this. They could not hold on to the things of life that everybody else could. They couldn't walk in the areas of life that everyone else could until they came across Jesus. And that changed. I always, I always chuckle when there's a the response, I chuckled the response of Christians is some major disaster. God's judgment's being poured out on that city. God's judgment's being poured. Why do they deserve it more than anybody else? We live in a dispensation of grace. God's grace is being poured out. And we're living in a day where uh, the, if, if you were in, just let this little statistic boggle your mind here. If you were to be in the top 1% of the wealthiest in the world, in a household, do you know how much money you need to make? Top 1%. 38,000. See, we're, we're insulated and isolated from the realities of what goes on around the world. And so we tend to measure ourselves with ourselves. There's a real great danger in that. But God's... God's God's still concerned about the quality of life. We live in a, in a country that's unparalleled in human history. God's blessings. I believe a big part of God's blessings here has everything to do with the evangelism of the world and the amount of missions that have gone through the United States. But that's maybe a sermon for a different story. But Jesus, he's concerned about the quality and quantity of life. I want you to watch a video of a healing that happened this week. And Lulu prayed for me for healing for my whole body, and, and I didn't see any results instantly, but then that night, I went to intercessory prayer, and as I was taking notes for the intercessory prayer group, a sudden shocking pain shot up my neck and up into my head, and it was just really painful. But as soon as that pain stopped, I realized I had full mobility of my neck. I could turn it every which way without any pain, 
and I was just so thrilled, but then I realized my back was still really bad, and I thought, well, Lord, if you're going to heal my neck, how about the rest of me, you know? Well, nothing happened that the rest of the day, and then I woke up on Monday, and I was still in a lot of pain, so I felt like that the Lord wanted me to go to the doctor, and so I just went in and dropped off a urine specimen. They gave me an antibiotic, and overnight, I, it was just miraculous. The pain pretty much left me, and I have continued to take the medication, but God truly healed me in that situation. There are two parts to that. There's the instant miraculous, and there's the part that happens as you're obedient. But in both of those cases, God's concerned about the quality and quality or quantity of life. So how do we get there? How do we move towards that? Well, let's, let's, I'm gonna, I want you to see this, three things, path for us, the path before us, and the path for others. So the path for us, I, one of the things that, that you, you find here that Jesus did, he just said, go show yourselves to the priests. That was, would have been a common thing to have happen when, when you were healed of leprosy. You're going to show yourself to the priest. They couldn't heal you, but they could declare you as clean. Now, what does that have to do with us? Well, Jesus understood the path. We need to understand that we all have the same path. That The path is pretty simple. The path for us is that uh, rather than going, what's God's will for my life? It's simple that we're to go into all nations, making disciples. And so when you look at that scripture, it's as you are going. So as you are doing life, Jesus was going from, uh, really was going from Galilee, going toward Samaria, Galilee, ending up in Jerusalem. He was just going. As he was going, there was this opportunity. So as we go, we have to understand that God is going to allow us to have opportunities. That's why Paul said that wherever, whatever you do, so whether you're retired or you're working or you are in school or whatever you're doing, you don't do it for men, you do it unto the Lord. And as you're doing it unto the Lord, you understand the reason you're doing that is there is inheritance. So as we are going, we are going to be listening and looking. And as we're listening and looking, what are we listening to? We're listening to what everybody else is listening to. There's no shortage of voices of people that are crying out, have mercy on me. And rather than getting combative, we're going to recognize that, wait a minute, maybe there's a little bit different approach. And so you, you start going, okay, I need to start thinking about this. Now, what I'd like to say is, boy, amen, done, go do it. But if you're like me, you're going to forget to it, forget it by the time you get to your lunch plate. But this is where your life group comes into play. This is where in your life group you need to be talking with each other. Hey, I need to be thinking about as I am going more. I tend to, I tend to think of the Lord when I do my devotions or I'm at church and, or I'm at life group, and that's about it. Well... Okay, we're going to be praying that, that you're going to find yourself thinking about him as you're going 
so that you understand that we're all on this path. We're going in different directions. And so we are uh, we're saying, help us here, Lord. Because there's a subtle principle in this scripture, if you'll, you'll catch it. Jesus answered and said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? If you are a a follower of Jesus and you are more afraid of God's discipline than afraid of unbelief, you've got it wrong. What we need to be concerned with is our unbelief. Anybody here got that all figured out? No, we're doing it as we go. We're all on this path together. So as we're on this path together, we're growing in this trust of the Lord. And so we trust him that that there's going to be a moment where someone says something that catches our attention. And it causes us to look that way. Because the path for everyone is to believe in God. The path before us has everything to do with our awareness. I don't, know, I don't know what spirit was unleashed uh, six, seven years ago, eight years ago, whenever it happened. But our culture, our whole society, turned toward being this reactive, fighting culture. And so if, if your tendency is to, to see something that is completely opposite of what you believe or like or think the way it should be, and your, your first reaction is to react, recognize that's not the Lord. That's the flesh. That's the enemy trying to work through you. But when you understand that, that he has a path before us, then when those things happen and the flesh tries to get up, well, now we're just going to respond. In fact, I think some of you, you, what you need to do this week is you need to choose to every time you, want, you react to something you hear, something that catches your attention, rather than making a post, sending a tweet, creating a video, complaining at the water cooler the next day, you just need to pray. You just need to stop and say, Lord, you deal with that. But the path for uh, all of us uh, is also has to do with discernment because the reality is that there are so many voices and so many different things that are coming at us. We need to be able to discern what the Lord wants us to be able to look at and the things that we just need to look away. It doesn't take long to figure out that there are just some people they are more interested in yelling than they are in speaking. Why is this important? Because there are people that we're going to look at here in a minute that you're going to point in a direction. They're never going to go there. They're just not going to go there. They're going to be the nine, but you're just looking for the one. This week, I, I, I got up and, and, uh, and the enemy had attacked our household because there were no eggs in the refrigerator. And, you know, it's the enemy because if you go to the grocery store, what that costs. And so I, I get out, and I'm, I'm getting ready to go to the office, and I said, the Lord said, I want, you to, I want you to go sit at IHOP, and I want you to go work there. That was the Lord. 
as I'm sitting there working, I, I go the same one, it's over on East Chase, and there's one particular waitress that over the years I've just had opportunities to minister to. She wasn't my waitress, but it doesn't matter that she's not my waitress. She came up to me, as she always does, wants to know how I'm doing, I asked how she's doing. And as I'm talking to her, I found out that she's, she'd been here 28 years from Guatemala, and for the first time in 28 years, her mom is coming to visit her. 28 years. They talk all the time. But for the first time, her mom was able to, to get the money to be able to come and get the visa to be able to come and visit her. And, and so she, you know, she goes on. And so I go back to work. And then, and then all of a sudden, this is a discernment thing. The Lord said, you know, you have had that gift card in your backpack for six months. Why don't you just give it to her so she can take her mom out to lunch? I went, okay. I, to me, I'm a, I would give way more than I probably should. So go to pay, and she said, hey, here's the deal. Uh, I said, I'm going to give you this gift card, but on one condition, you'll take your mom out to lunch or dinner. Her eyes got that big. She said, absolutely, I will. And we get up, and the lady's doing my ticket thing, and she, she says, I know you've told me a bunch of times, where do you pastor at? And I said, where do you pastor at? Do you speak Spanish? Oh, not for the lack of some people trying to help me. But no, but I said, but I know who does. And I want to connect you with a friend of mine. And, and when your mom gets here, maybe there's an opportunity because she's real religious. She's Catholic and he can, he can be a priest. He can, he can do it. And I say, I actually gave, I never thought about this until just now. This is really bad because I gave your husband's phone number to another woman. You had to forgive me. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, the Lord made me aware, and I moved in that awareness. But it's more than that, and I just, and I'm going to wrap up the rest pretty quickly, is, is that there, there, there are a path for others, and the reason that we miss the path for others is that most Christians know their own opinions, or the opinions of a talking head, or the opinions of some other preacher than the opinions of God. You have, you have a worldview that's based off somebody you know rather than the one who created the world. And so the path for others has everything to do with the, the biblical worldview that God has laid out. So if you don't know what the Bible has to say about money, marriage, decisions, discernment, opportunity, marginalized people, people who will receive, people who will reject then you're not going to be able to point him because that's exactly what Jesus did. Go show yourselves to the priests. He pointed them in a direction because people, they don't need your faith. They need their own faith. So if you try to convince them through your opinions, you're just trying to create your faith in them. God's much better at working in them than you and I are. And so as you point people, all right, here's what you do. Here's what the scriptures say that you, you, you should do. If I'm early on in, in discipling somebody, I'm going to give them an assignment of reading scriptures. Or if you, some of you know I've done this with you, go through the New Testament and just highlight every part of the scriptures and say, in him, for him, by him, through him. And you'll find out really quick, it's not about you, it's about him. And there are some people that will do that, and there are some people who won't. And so what allow, it allows me to do is just say, all right, rise, go on your way because you don't have to go my way. God's got your way. We all have the same path, but then there is a path 
for you that you need to be aware of. So how do we, how do we walk this out during the week? Let me give you three things really quick uh, in the go piece. The first is we just need to pray. When I first started following Jesus, here's, here's what I prayed. I, I didn't know the biblical principles. I mean, I was raised in Sunday school, so I knew, I was raised in church, but I slept or played football, paper football, during church, but it was in Sunday school that I actually learned something. And, and so I really didn't know all the scriptures, but I would just say, Lord, what, however you want to use me today, use me. But because I read the scriptures and I prayed, there was an opportunity to be able to point someone down a path of life that I would not have normally been able to point them on. It was ordained by the Lord, but I did my part. I prayed and the scriptures were in there. But I think here's the, here's the, this is, this is both, this is both miraculously and practically. It's that when you pray, you've got to start pointing people in a direction. And so when you point people toward the path of life, there will be healing that will go. One of the, it's, it, it doesn't end well, but it's, it's kind of comical because it's the way so many people approach faith. And we, we were in a revival and there was, there was praying for healing and someone I knew had hearing aids and they said they wanted, they wanted healing in their ears and so they took out their healing aids. He said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. He said, amen. He turned around, he put his knees and went back in and walked away. There are some people that aren't going to believe, but it doesn't change or preclude us from the fact that we still pray by pointing. We, we point by praying and believing that God will do something in and through their life. But then it's more than that. There, it's, the, it's the practical pointing of the way of life as this is the way it works. You have to turn away. You have to let go of junk, of whatever, whatever the issue is. The Lord directs you there. But here's the biggest thing, and I, this, I just, over the years, I've seen this so often in, in so many people. Here's what Jesus said in, in, with all of them, but ultimately with the, the last guy. He said, he said, go on your way. Go on your way. Jesus did not carry the weight of that guy's life. And if you think that God has called you to carry the weight of someone's life, you're trying to be their savior and stop it. You need to place the weight of faith on them. That was a good place to amen. Because our tendency is we want to control. We want to place the weight of faith on them and allow them to walk out the faith in the direction that God has for them. Because God really is concerned about the quality and quantity of life. So let's just point people in that direction. So Lord, thank you for helping us. Helping us to, to live a life that is, uh, is on the path and on a specific path and placing other people on the right path. Uh, Lord, I pray that... Uh, that in our groups, you'll help us to stay accountable to these things, that we'll challenge one another to, uh, to not marginalize people, but to, to recognize that we live in a world of people who are saying, have mercy on us. And they say it in all sorts of weird, crazy ways, Lord. But God, you know the ones who are sincere at heart. You know the ones who really have had their ability to get a grasp and a hold on to the things of this life taken away from them. You know the ones who are unable to walk in the areas of life that you desire for them to walk. 
And so, Lord, help us, Lord, to be aware of those that are around us so that, Lord, when we hear the voice, that we can turn and see and we can point them to the path of life in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing one more song together, and then we'll, we'll close the service. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.